right? Say this quite constantly, but I, I believe firmly that if you have a body, you're an athlete. If we can make you feel better and perform better, and you can use that for whatever means you would like. So if that is able to help you hit a hockey puck more effectively, or you can score more points in a basketball game, well, that's tremendous. But if it means you have more energy and you're more likely to take more trips and you can lift your luggage over your head in the airplane and you just feel better, not in as much pain and you're happier and you're more giving and caring and loving, like these are all wins. I've worked with professional athletes in America in probably 14 or 15 different sports. Those folks are almost identical to the other folks in our programs who are non-athletes. They don't want to change habits. They don't want to change behaviors. It's all those things, right? So I would say that the adherence and the motivation and attention to detail, it's all the same between the two. It is the same challenges that they're all facing. And some of them overcome it and some of them don't, just like some of you overcome it and some of you don't. And so really, I think helping people is helping people. And whether they want to, again, use that to become a world champion or not, uh, those distinct differentiations are, are probably not as important. A lot of it is, yo, like, can we get you to stop eating fast food every day? Can we get you to go to sleep and stop drinking booze every night? It's really, really foundational stuff. Most of the things that are said on social media that matter a ton really don't. Foods aren't poisons. That's ridiculous. The sugar is not a poison. Fat's not a poison. There's no toxic elements in foods. It's just, it's all nonsense. The devil is in the dosage with all of these things. Dear listeners, this show is brought to you by Freeletics. Building a fitness routine took my life to a new level. Energy, confidence, health, feeling good about my body, staying young and agile. But most of us find it enormously difficult to build such a routine. The motivation is lacking, the workouts feel bad, the plan doesn't adapt, the success doesn't materialize. But it is possible to be healthy, fit, and enjoy your life. Because I certainly did not want to be held hostage to a fitness routine or feel that I am somehow missing out on life just to be fit. For those willing to invest a few minutes of their day to develop a determined lifelong workout routine, Freeletics offers a simple lifestyle, personalized workout plans, and data-driven insights to maximize your likelihood of success while having fun. Start now at freeletics.com. Also, this show is sponsored by Stadium. The scientifically proven benefits of training with weights are indisputable. For the major physiological systems in your body, such as muscle size, strength, athletic performance, functional capacity, also for the increase in bone density and the improvements in cardiovascular, cognitive, and psychological health. Working out with weights is almost a magic bullet. And now you can have all of these benefits at home. Stadium offers you high quality, stylish weight training equipment that you will love to have lying around your place. Get it at stadium.com. Thank you for supporting the show and checking out our sponsors. And now let's start with the conversation. Welcome to This One Life. Today on the show, Dr. Annie Galpin. 
Andy is professor of kinesiology at California State University, the co-director of the Center for Sports Performance, has over 100 peer-reviewed publications and presentations, and has worked with an impressive list of elite athletes across various fields. In short, Andy's a scientist, teacher, and coach, and says about himself he couldn't love his life more as a result. Andy, thanks for being on the show. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, man. And I have to reiterate, I'm, I feel incredible and, and I feel like a, a very blessed life. So I'm excited and energetic to have a fun conversation today. Uh, can you help our listeners understand what is your mission and what is the story behind you choosing that mission? Well, I would say really the only mission I have uh, from a professional standpoint I think on my website, you'll find uh, educate, entertain, and inspire. Uh, but really, that's all under the umbrella of human performance. So I just like helping humans perform better. I say this quite constantly, but I, I believe firmly that if you have a body, you're an athlete. And I say that to mean I don't really necessarily, I love sport, but I don't necessarily care that much with all of the entertainment and all of the uh, information and science communication that I do on my YouTube and websites and things like that. It's not necessarily for professional athletes, though some uh, have found me and I work with them because of those. But really, it's it's really, I believe, firmly in if we can make you feel better and perform better. And you can use that for whatever means you would like. So if that is able to help you hit a hockey puck more effectively, or you can uh, score more points in a basketball game, well, that's tremendous. But if it means you have more energy and you're more likely to take more trips and you can lift your luggage over your head in the airplane and you just feel better, not in as much pain and you're happier and you're more giving and caring and loving, like these are all wins. And so I, I really firmly believe that you have to feel good uh, and you have to perform well. Uh, we can dig into all the reasons why those don't happen and, and go find them and create programs. But that's really, uh, in my opinion, uh, the core belief. In fact, I'll throw a third one in there, which I usually say. And that is, you have to look a certain way, which is entirely up to you, right? So everyone has their own opinion. So I say it that way. I don't say you have to look you know, anything but a certain way. And so if you like the way you look reasonably, if you feel good and you perform well, well, then we're all happy campers. So my mission really is just to help people with whatever information I can in that mission. You said that you're working with, you know, um, beginners and also these elite athletes. Um, I don't want to delve too much on that point, but is it sometimes frustrating for you uh, when you work with beginners where typically the biggest challenge is rather to get them to do something consistency? Whereas, you know, with elite athlete, at least from the outside, I we don't work with elite athlete. It seems more that, yeah, they will likely do what you tell them to do. And it's more about really fine-tuning the programming and really figuring out what is specifically the best way to achieve that goal for that person? I would say, in my experience, that none of that is true. Uh, we have, I, I've worked with professional athletes in America in probably 14 or 15 different sports, uh, all of them that you can imagine. The UFC, world champion boxers, um, the NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, uh, the special forces and the military, all of them. Uh, and I've done the highest level. So the MVPs and the award winners and, and all those things. And, and, I, and I have also trained hundreds of individuals. We have a, a ton of people in our rapid health and performance program and our absolute rest programs. Those are all, for the most part, non-athletes. So I've, I've dealt with plus, plus I've taught at the collegiate level 
seniors and graduate level individuals who train hundreds of these people. So really I've been in this bubble my entire life. And I would say fundamentally, I think the biggest, one of the biggest problems that people have when they listen to me or they invite me on shows is that point. You're just like, well, nothing you say matters because I'm not a world champion. And, and I really need to emphasize none of that is true because those folks are almost identical to the other folks in our programs who are non-athletes. It's just that they're better at playing a sport, hitting a golf ball. They might recover faster. They might have, they, they learn movement better, et cetera, but they don't want to do things as much as you don't want to do things. They don't want to change habits. They don't want to change behaviors. It's, it's all those things, right? So I would say that the adherence and the motivation and attention to detail, it's all the same between the two. A lot of the professional athletes, have, we've had this happen plenty of times where they've come in, done our full program, and then honestly just submitted, eh, thanks, but I'm not going to do any of this stuff. Pay full price, don't want to refund. Just say, eh, not, I don't really feel like doing this. Okay, great. So, I mean, if you want to start talking about how you get people to, to execute programs and stuff, fine. But I really do think it's important for people to understand that you, you at home, you're no different. It is the same challenges that they're all facing. And some of them overcome it and some of them don't. Just like some of you overcome it and some of you don't. And so really, I think helping people is helping people. And whether they want to, again, use that to become a world champion or not, uh, those distinct differentiations are, are probably not as important uh, sometimes it's very highly sophisticated stuff, but I think that's also a misnomer that is important for people to understand. There's no big veil or magic behind them where we're, uh, you know, using billions of dollars and all this advanced technology to try to get these world-class performers, these small percentage increases. While that can happen and we do do that, a lot of it is, yo, like, can we get you to stop eating fast food every day? Yo, can we get you to go to sleep and stop drinking booze every night? It's really, really foundational stuff. And that can make them take the next level in their career. And so that I think is, again, I'll emphasize really important in my opinion to understand that they are going through. And I'll say the same thing for actors. I get asked this question a lot about, uh, you know, I've worked with some of the, the Marvel superhero TV movie stars. And it's the same thing with these body transformations and stuff. And it's just like really honestly, friends, like they're the same. They're the same as, as to you. They just are richer and on TV. So it's really not that different. Some do well, some do terrible, and, and everything in between. I personally find it very motivating to hear that my struggles or the you know hours of the normal of the normal person are kind of the same as of the elite athlete. Do you have the feeling that um, over the recent years uh, the challenge of consistency has changed, so it has become greater? or less on average. So I'm, um, what I'm trying to hint at is, for example, developments of technology where, you know, attention span is decreasing, it's easier to, to get instant gratification via certain technology, but also, for example, um, developments in the food industry, at least here in, in Europe, you know, industrialized processed food, fast food um, has not been such a big thing in the past, at least less than, than for example, in the US, it's increasingly there, there is more of that. So um, these are the type of uh, trends that I'm um, hinting at. I think if you look at the net aggregate, it's about the same. And you alluded to several different reasons. And some of those actually, basically all of them make some things better and some things worse. I'll give you some examples. Uh, the constant reminder of, of your cell phone, right? 
Uh, and so for some people, this can just be nothing but distraction. And so they have 45 minutes to work out, but then they wasted 15 minutes on social media, et cetera. And now all of a sudden they have 25 minutes and then now they just don't get work out. That's absolutely real. The quality of the training sessions when you go to the gym can be worsened. If you're too worried about putting the right song on your mix and you spend half the time in the gym getting the right song going. And then of course you check the text and you check Slack and you check that. And then all that can happen. At the same time, some of the technologies have made things so much easier that they've lowered the barrier to entry. So I can now hop on a bike and have a personal coach right there on my screen in front of me. I'm more likely to do that workout better than I was when I was just riding on my own accord. My program is lower to my phone and I can just take that and work out and I don't have to have a you know piece of paper and all these things with me. So I think you add up all of these things. Um, a lot of it, a lot of the times the technology can drive adherence because you're aware and it's constantly reminding you, right? You would have made that bad choice nutritionally, but you know that either you're supposed to be logging all your food on your app and you're not doing it. And so then you really are less likely to go, all right, fine, I'm not going to do that or I'm going to add there. At the same time, uh, this can lead to the other end, uh, obsessive and compulsive and, and uh, over-reliance and things like that. And so I, I think it's very important. The, the reason we have always uh, packaged this uh, in our book uh, years ago was the same. It is technology is here. It is moving forward. We can certainly have a conversation about what's actually happening in the near term, short term, future um, with some of these technologies and human performance. But the reality of it is, there's always pros and cons. There are no free passes in physiology, as I say it. And so it is learning to use these things judiciously, understanding where the common pitfalls are and working around them. Uh, but the reality of it is, I think that the information is, is so much more apparent than it used to be. And it is out there so much because it's constantly on podcasts and it is constantly in media. And it's always like your health is being reminded of you a bunch. And it wasn't, wasn't like that. If you go back to, you know, the 1990s, it was very uncommon for people to hear information about why they should be sleeping more and eating better and all those things. So while the food is getting worse, the information and awareness and reminders were also worse. And so, again, pro and con here. So there's some things that are making things better and some things that are making others worse. I appreciate your nuanced view uh, on, on on this. Um are there developments um, within the field of sports science um, or general, uh, generally within um, our population where you would clearly say, hey, this is one that worries me and this is one that I find good or that excites me? Uh, this is this could be a very long conversation. <laughs> I'll see how long you'd like to take this. The reality of it is we are heading on a train towards the final destination, which is very clearly, in my opinion, what I call the human sensor. And so whether you want to look at technologies like ours and my company, Absolute Rest, for sleep, we can run full clinical grade sleep studies on you from the comfort of your own bedroom and your own bed every single night at very minimal cost. We can run full environmental scans of your room, measuring the mold and pollen or dander, looking at the fallout organics coming at your mattress and wall and uh, we can run full cognitive evaluations for your neural processing speed and all those, and the costs start going up now. But the point is, this this is all not futuristic. This is stuff that is around. This company has been successful. Uh, we've served countless numbers of individuals and 
had a, a massive success in resolving sleep issues. There's one small, small example. You want to go to other stuff. There are uh, sensors that can be placed in people's teeth, uh, like braces or a cavity, if you will. And that can monitor jaw movement. It can actually measure and monitor all fluid and food coming in. And so you don't need to track anything on your app. You just eat normally. All that's being sensed in your mouth, your activity, and it's being sent over registering. Again, these are available technologies. There are uh, another project I'm involved in called SolveX is an app on your phone. And all you have to do is basically download it and do nothing else. And it can send signals of extreme emotional distress. So this is being used in an American military for suicide prevention. Like, and not, not trying to give you small things like you feel okay today, but more like, you know, get in there. Daniel's like at level 12, uh, you know, like red alert, red alert, maybe having a suicide officer, things like that, right? Well, they want to look at biomarkers that are available from an, uh, a single drop of blood, not quite as much as Theranos uh, famously promised. But these things can be done uh, every single day, getting measures of information for recovery and any number of things, right? And so... All the uh, technologies you're talking about, sensors in your shoes, you don't have to do anything with them. They are full, 99% uh, efficient and effective and accurate force plates measuring everything going on on the ground, your, not only your movement and your steps, but actually the force in your ground and how your feet are moving, the gait position, et cetera. These are all passive technologies. You don't do anything, right? You just put them on barely. It's not even as much as, as a watch or a ring anymore. These are now we're talking about microchips uh, there's also nanobots that are going to be injectable. And when you really do nothing, uh, that's just going to go floating on your bloodstream. So all these are very, very passive, and they're going to be, again, less passive than the current ones, which are rings and things like that. So then I'll just say, that's going to give you the most uh, information back on your unique physiology, which then allows you to create very specific and simple, but custom and high precise solution plans based on your unique blueprint and physiology. That's all sheer. Now, they're not all interconnected because there's thousands and thousands of companies working at different versions, but it's just a matter of time before that gets synced across different platforms. And of course, plenty of companies are working on those platforms, and many of those are available already. At the end of that, then, what that really allows is what most folks would call the digital twin. And so if they can take all that information, including all your, your metabolic information, genomics and proteomics and things like that, and create a, or a motor of uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence replicate of you. Then I can then go run thousands, if not hundreds of thousands or millions of simulations based on your specific physiology. Easy example, uh, you, your white blood cell counts a little bit low. It's not anything critically important, but your doctor says it's a little bit lower than I'd like. Let's put you through the simulator and figure out what possible intervention would improve this to the number I want. Maybe it's exercise, maybe it's a drug, maybe it's uh, something in your drinking water. We can run millions and millions of stimulations and different combinations and come back and say, okay, you actually just go and do A. That's the best one. Uh, this is the digital twin and this is what it's all going to be, right? You want to talk about exercise programming. Why spend six weeks trying a workout and seeing if it's going to work well for you when I can just run simulations on you with thousands of different six-week blocks, find the one that's actually going to work the best based on your digital twin, and then come back and actually give you that program. Now, this is the end point, and I just don't really see any way in which we don't get there. And so there's many steps along the way, and we've seen plenty of these technologies just fail and burn, and many of them will, and it's going to be clunky along the way, but the reality of it is that is where healthy performance are going. 
Um, so I'll, I'll pause there and we can jump to the other side of the equation if you'd like. Um, two questions, one very specific one, one broader one. Um, I'm just going to you know, give you both um, so that, that you know those. The, 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 the one where I got immediately excited was when you said, hey, there's a sensor that I can put in my teeth and that, you know, tracks uh, what I eat. Like, you know, where, where is that thing? I, I, I need to get that. So how does, you know, how accurately does it work? Is it really commercially uh, available yet? I, I always thought that I had a pretty good understanding of some of these technologies that are really commercially available. That one I have not heard about, so shame on me. And the second question is not related to that, but when you talk about information and we have that digital twin and are able to run these simulations, um, get to much better results without trial and error, and how strong do you estimate is the link also to behavior change? So, you know, does that information that I have and that 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 knowledge, uh, how directly correlate does the correlate or cause um, actual behavior change with people? Sure. Well, the first one, it's not a single company that has technology like that. You're talking about dozens that I'm aware of uh, with sensors like that. And there's different versions of it. Again, some of them are like braces, some of them are more like uh, cavities, and some of them are actually just... Um, jaw movement technologies. And uh, so there, there are many of them. When you cross into actually putting these in the, in the human trials and seeing which ones land, you know, yet to be done. Um, not that they haven't gone on human trials, they already have. I'm talking about larger scale uh, randomized control trials and things like that. It doesn't matter though. It's just a, a matter of time. It's going to be here. It's going to be accurate. Uh, so some people may say, I don't want that in me. Absolutely. And there's a whole different different conversation on that. Makes a ton of sense. You could say the same thing for any of the facial recognition uh, uh, technologies that are out there for human health performance. Uh, example, some of the stuff that we can do, looking at your face structure, determining if that's going to actually be a result or cause uh, breathing-related issues, particularly at sleep. So there's lots of stuff going on there. But yeah, um, th those technologies are available. Uh, and then some of them are going to be coming online in the next you know few months to the next couple of years. Um, again, whether you want to actually do that, how are you going to use that is an entirely different conversation. Who owns those data? Uh, more questioning. Um, secondarily, this is one of the things that, you know, a few seconds ago I said, uh, there's good and bad with technology. And so, wow, this idea of the t digital twin and running all these experiments and figuring out which is the exact right supplement or nutrition or sleep or training program for you is still only half the equation. Like we have been outsmarted by technology endlessly, but we have also outsmarted it more than it's, it's beat us in the case of health and human performance. Uh, when you look at things like medicine, then it is typically pretty good, right? So developing medications, surgery techniques, keeping people alive, uh, scanning for tumors, and amazing. And enhancing behavior, well, that, that's pretty much lost. Right? Like it, haven't, it hasn't worked yet at all. And so, yeah, you, you have the, the bigger point here is we have a real conversation to be had about what it is to be human, what we want it to be, and how we're going to approach these things. Because even with, right now, for example, I could give you a program and I can tell you I built it through machine learning. I can tell you I have your digital, phen uh, your, your digital twin done and I built you the optimal program. And I can be lying about that. And I could give that to you. And still many people wouldn't do it. So your, your assertion is correct exactly here. That doesn't mean anything 
people sound, sounds like a great idea, but we actually know this from a lot of different areas of, of technology and science. People sound like amazing, amazing, perfect solution that people just still don't do it. So that, that is a, a different one. And the problem is when you start looking about things like, again, the digital twin, you're looking at simply chemistry and mathematics, right? It is simply the biological and physiological components of it. But where, how do you tie in motivation, interest, and the human mind? Very, very challenging. Obviously that can be put into machine learning as well, but we don't have, it's not as direct one-to-one, -one, right? Our, our uh, causation stuff isn't as simple. You could run those things through the simulator as well, but whether that lands back on human experience is a really, really challenging thing. And we are nowhere near as close to that as we are simply understanding how you move uh, your, your biomechanical analysis and what your immune function looks like. Uh, that, that, that's a different, different beast entirely. Um, if, if, we, if we take that challenge, so um, you know, generally helping people to build consistency uh, and uh, you know, reach their goals, for lack of a better word, although I often think that people don't really have Specific, enough specificity around their goals. But if we talk about these big challenges, um, for our listeners, are there any common mistakes or the other around things that they should absolutely do in order to improve their chances to build a consistent workout routine and get out of that routine what they originally wanted to have? Yes. I would actually recommend potentially looking at a, a behavioral psychologist or somebody from an area like that that can come in and talk more scientifically about, you know, behavioral change. I can certainly go through what we what I have done in my career and what we recommend, but this is an entire scientific field that somebody could really probably hit you with the core science in there. Nonetheless, one of the big things that is very clear is adherence alone. Uh, when you look at whether it's fat loss or just adhering to a diet or uh, outcomes, the adherence alone will be the number one predictor of success. So if we stop the conversation right there, do you want to succeed? Yes or no? The single most important thing driving you is actually you're just following through closely on the plan. It's not even the accuracy of the plan. And so if that is stopping you because you don't believe in the plan or you don't think it's you know, clear what to do, then you have to throw that away because just doing the plan, even if it's not perfect, is better than the opposite. So just assuring yourself, number one, there. Second thing would be generally having a super specific plan. You sort of said this, and I fully agree. Uh, it, you'll, you'll notice the people, and it's, it becomes pretty clear, the people that go to the gym and they don't actually have a workout, like a very specific intentional plan. And look at those that do, and you will see a whole another level of generally effort, but not always, but efficiency and time. When you look at one of the main reasons people don't exercise or follow through their plan, it is time. I didn't have enough time today, right? Now that's a priority issue, but nonetheless, it's real, especially when you have kids like we do and businesses and other things pop up. Great. Well, if you take that out of the equation by saying, okay, we'll get you in and out your workouts faster. Great. By having a shorter workout? No. But because by having a specific plan, you're going to walk and you do A, B, C, D. You're going to do these 10 things. You're not doing 11 or 12 or 13. You're not. Like you're going to smash these 10 things and then you're out of here. So having a plan there, this is why it's important to hire a coach or pay for a program or get one somewhere rather than kind of trying to just do it by feel if you possibly can. Um, you also have the added advantage of when you pay for a coach, you're much, 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 much more likely to actually uh, exercise on 
the money. Even if it's an amount of money that doesn't matter for, matter to you. If you're a millionaire, but you still spend a hundred bucks on the workouts of the month, you're much more likely to do it than if you didn't pay anything at all. Funny part about psychology there. Um, then the other one that would jump to mind would be the setting of the goals. So it's easy to say this. I understand this, and this generally sounds bad, but it is partially true. Well, it, it's true for a large part of folks. And you just don't care enough. That, that, that is quite a reality, right? You just don't care enough about what you're doing. So when you step in and say, well, why don't you care? Um, are we doing this for the right reasons? And maybe we actually should set a different goal. All right. So uh, I had a, a recent conversation with a Hollywood actor uh, Friday, actually, about his wife wanting to lose three pounds. And it's been years and years, he said, that she wanted to lose three pounds. And I was like, great. Have her give me 10 grand. I'll work within her a week. She'll be down three pounds. He's like, what? Yeah, yeah. Tell her, give me 10 grand to be down three, three pounds in a week. He's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, nothing. She'll lose three pounds in a week if she pays 10 grand for it. And he's like, dude, I'll pay you right now just to get her to stop talking about this. I'm like, great. Who cares? Right. Like, so it's just a matter of like, you don't, she didn't really want to lose three pounds. If you want anyone wants to lose three pounds, like that is not a hard endeavor to do uh, if the stakes are high enough. So in her case, she just didn't care enough, really. It was just kind of like, eh, I kind of want to be there, kind of want to be there, don't. And additionally, it was like, why three pounds? Oh, probably to get to like an even number. I didn't ask, right? But it was probably like she wanted to get down from 153 pounds to 150. Well, why is that round? That's a totally made up number. It's completely arbitrary, right? So it didn't really care up because the goal wasn't real. Yeah, it should have been a different goal that actually means something or matters, right? And so all of these are just different exercises in goal setting, but it is really going back to first principles and fundamentally questioning. Why do you even care about that goal? Is that the right goal? Set an appropriate one. If you don't, or if you aren't sure, it's like, I don't really have any goals. I do this stuff because I know it's important for my health, but I really don't care about how I look. I look pretty good anyways. I don't care enough to get better. Um, I feel fine. Like I don't really love exercise, but like I know I'm supposed to be healthy. Okay, great. That's fine. That probably represents a lot of people. Okay, awesome. So you're not going to set any like squat goal or like fitness goal. All right, cool. Well, set something then that you don't love, but then make the consequences bad. And so this is classic. Okay, fine. We're going to get your one mile run time down to eight minutes. Okay, great. And you're going to have six weeks to do it or eight weeks, whatever you want to do. And if you don't do it, then something bad happens. We actually did this, did, just did this in our company. We did like a nine-month physique challenge within um, our rapid health and performance company. This because none of us had done that in a while. Uh, money wasn't going to be a motivator there. We all know how to do it. We can get there. It wasn't going to be a motivator either. And so we we're like, what is, what's terror? How do we do this? And so what we basically come up with is dead last place has to make a public, and this was on Instagram post about how, uh, how poor of a man they are, how beta they are, how pathetic they are. Just like all these really funny things about how the rest of us were just much more alpha than them and all those things. Right. Now, all of us are very mentally healthy and love this stuff. So it was like all from a place of love. And, and all of us just like died of laughter the entire month, like thinking about this. I didn't care about winning. I, in fact, I knew I wasn't going to win the challenge. I knew Dan Garner was going to win. But I just didn't want to get last. So like I just didn't want to get last and lose. And so I, I made sure I didn't do that. And it was great. But I still made tremendous improvements in my physique. The most I've made in probably over a decade. So that was enough for me to just not want to get dead last. So if you can do things that hurt, whether it's just you against you and you're going to make a donation of money or you set a goal, uh, 
if I don't hit this thing, I'm going to cut off my Netflix subscription for two months, like whatever it is, that's going to really, really suck for you. Right. Uh, and then if you do it with other people, that's another good strategy. So all of that, uh, comes down to something, but I can tell you right now, the reason I had the biggest gains in my physique during that challenge was number one, not wanting to lose. But secondly, I had a specific target and a specific day. Now, for years and years, it was just, I just trained, right? I just trained and I trained because I kind of want to get better, but nothing was on the line. I had to work backwards. And so having very specific dates, I'm going to do this for the next three. And then having it, not just like three or four months, it was like this day, the challenge ends June 3rd. That's it. Um, I don't like doing like big yo-yo challenges, but you get my point of like, I'm going to train to this and then I'm going to compete. And this is when I'm going to do my race. I'm going to go out to the track on that Saturday and I'm going to run. And that whole week, we did like peak week strategies. So we, we just did everything, right? Like, like we were competing on stage at the end of this. So I, I would take it that seriously. And then I, I always knew it was just like, you know, 10 more weeks, nine more weeks. Hey, like, and so I didn't just like have this thing into the abyss of nothingness. So all of those things would be strategies I'd recommend people trying uh, if, if they're struggling with. How does setting... How does setting uh, specific goals also relate to the time dimension and ideally, you know, taking a more long-term view of the whole thing? Because once you set a specific goal and then calculate basically backwards and say, oh, fuck, you know, I'm never going to be able to make that. It was going to be really hard or like it, it starts to work in the people's brain when they suddenly look at the time dimension, especially when you think, okay, now I want to do that in three months and it's really hard, like the changes I have to implement today and, and, and all of that. Now, what if I do that in 12 months? Suddenly it seems to be rather easy and, 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 and this kind of things. Yeah, I don't think I have a great answer for you there. Uh, I would certainly say you want the classic goal setting acronym will be SMART, S-M-A-R-T, right? So it needs to be specific, like we talked about, right? So give me, don't just say I'm going to try to get stronger. I'm going to put X amount of kilos on this particular movement. All right, great. So I'm going to increase my, you know, vertical jump to this much. I'm whatever the metric is, right? So it needs to be very specific. It needs to be measurable. So how do you measure it? And not, uh, I want to feel better. Not like, like, what is the actual metric, right? So typically we have some sort of performance test or, or some third party measurement thing. It needs to be um, attainable. Right. So it needs to be something that is like within your grasp. It can't be like, I'm going to make a million dollars. Like, well, you may or may not be able to do that. That's kind of outside of your control. Uh, in the sport context, it's things like, I'm going to win a championship. Well, that's not a great smart goal because if any team is better or the weather, like, you get the point. Uh, NAR is realistic. So it needs to be somewhat realistic. Um, and so that's all of them. And then the T, it needs to be timely. Right. So it needs to be something within a reasonable domain. So you don't want to say, I want to be X percent body fat reduction, you know, 19 years from now. It's like, oh, okay, that's just sort of too far. So the, the last three are kind of what you're alerting to. And so you said attainable, realistic, and timely. Um, well, those are really kind of up to you. It depends. Um, this is why we would generally tell people have a short term, medium term, and long term smart goals. So maybe you want to reduce 20% body fat five years from now. That's great. Amazing. Well, then you got to go backwards. Okay. If you need to get 20% down in five years, where do you need to be by year four? Where do you need to be by year three, by year two, by year one, by six months, by three months, and by next month? And then you just do the math and go all the way up there. Um, I currently have 
uh, Tatiana Suarez, uh, UFC fighter undefeated, um, fighting for uh, a title or fighting um, here in uh, about um, August 5th, coming up pretty soon, depending on when you're listening to this. And uh, she has historically fought at 115 pounds straw weight in her life. Last fight went up to flyweight, which was 125 pounds to 10 pounds heavier. This fight going back down to 115. Okay, great. Now, she has also been hurt for four years. So she had a devastating knee injury, back injury, and neck injury. And so this is the first time in actually almost five years she's been down to 115 pounds. And so the entire camp, we had to build out and to get her to the spot that she needs to be in you know, on time to make the weight. And all we did is take where she was at the time of the start of camp, where she needed to be by the end, and say, okay, how do we lay out every single month, every single week, every single day to get us to that plan? And that's all we did. And now she just simply knows, I just, I don't have to be down to 116 pounds. So she's not looking at the target going, shit, I'm 19 pounds away. Oh my God, I'm 17 pounds away. Oh my God, I'm 15. She just goes, great. Okay, great. Got to be down one pound next week. Oh, down a pound. Awesome. Next week, got to be down half a pound. Great, down half a pound. And she's just looking at the next week. Just looking at the next week every single time and just going, hmm, okay. Just got to lose half a kilo. Easy. Oh, just got to use... Is you know third of a kilo, great, and that's all she has to put in front of her. And if she does that enough weeks in a row, she's going to get there. Does that approach also help with setbacks? So that was question one and question two. Um, when you work generally work um in in your coaching with with people, how much how much do you think it, it's important? How much do you facilitate getting an emotional buy in into that end state into the goal set? How would that feel? Because at least we. Um, with our users very often have the experience that the 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 goal that they have, the wish that they have is a kind of, for lack of a better word, technical. So yeah, I want to lose, uh, you know, weight or improve my performance, but um, the, the emotional buy-in is not really there because a lot of our users have never been at that stage where, where they're aiming to get at. And so um, while, you know, all the distractions in my daily life, I directly know what is emotionally going to feel. I know how great it's going to feel to chill on the couch. I know how great it's going to feel to eat food and, and these things, but there's no counterbalance on the other side. Like I know how emotionally great it will feel to reach my goal and then, then X. Yeah. What was the first question again? Uh, the first question was um, when you break down, you know, your goals, is it, is it, is it easier to um, oh, the setbacks. From, from setbacks? Yeah. The, yeah. The quick answer is, yeah, absolutely, right? So we know where we're going. And I don't, again, the progress doesn't have to be as far. And so if Tatiana comes back and she's supposed to lose half a pound this week and she actually gained half a pound. So, okay, well, like we're just, we're only not, oh my God, I'm now 17 and a half pounds away instead of 16 and a half. It's just, all right, this week we got to do one instead of half, right back on track. No big deal. Uh, because with things like fat loss, it's not linear. It's, you know, it's way down, then up a little bit, down, and then so it's just blah, 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 blah. And so there's normal variations up and down. So we don't, we don't worry about day to day. And specifically with fat loss, uh, just as one example, I would definitely not recommend people pay attention to day to day variations. So, you know, you step on the scale Monday, you step on the scale Tuesday. It doesn't really matter what Tuesday shows or Wednesday or Thursday. What you want are just general trends over weeks, right? That it will trickle down if it's working. Now, if you really want to get granular, look day to day, what I recommend rather than doing Monday to Tuesday, Tuesday to Wednesday, Wednesday to Thursday, et cetera, 
is compared like to like. So this would be Monday to Monday, Tuesday to Tuesday. Uh, and I say that because generally people's week are structured fairly similar. So let's just use example of somebody working Monday through Friday. Okay, your Monday is not the same as your Tuesday because on your Monday, you had a Sunday before and you were not doing the same thing on Sunday that you did on Monday, so that affects Tuesday. However, if you look at Monday compared to Monday, you had a Sunday coming in on both times and your Sundays are probably more similar than they are Sunday to Monday. You look at Tuesday, your Mondays are probably similar. You look at Wednesdays, Wednesday to Wednesday, your Tuesdays are probably similar because your workout routine, your, your work schedule, your lifestyle, all that stuff is there. Those numbers are going to look a lot smoother than Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday, Thursday to Friday. And so we always have our weight loss columns stacked like that vertically. And so I can always look Monday to Monday to Monday to Monday to Monday to Monday and go, okay, this is actually what's happening. Tuesday to Tuesday to Tuesday. The trends between days of columns tends to be very, very similar, despite the fact that it looks jagged across or horizontal throughout the week. Um, so yeah, it, it makes us see what's going on. If I look and go, okay, those vertical columns are getting off, then we have some sort of problem or adjustment to make. But if not, I don't necessarily worry about, uh, you know, Monday to Tuesday and Wednesday, things like that. So with our athletes, it really matters because training is so hard, right? So if they play a football game on Sunday, um, well, then they're Monday coming in, they're going to be very light. Just no question. But by the time they get to Saturday, they're always heavier. That, that's like, that's, that's just how it is, right? Harder training on one day, lighter training the day before, you're going to be, you're just always going to be a different weight. So it's not a big deal. Um, but what was the second part of your question? Um, how, you know, how do you work? How important is this, um, getting a psychological buy-in into your oh, yeah. state? Yeah. So I'm probably, again, not the best to ask that because, um, all of the individuals that we work with, whether our pro athletes are or not, uh, they're all coming to us. Yeah. So I'm also, you can see a little bit of my personal, uh, approach and my, a little bit of my attitude. We all have different styles and I'm a different style. When I'm a coach, it's sort of like, are you going to do this or not? I don't care. You don't go somewhere else. <laughs> I don't really care, right? Like this is your journey. We'll put all these things in place. Uh, but I, I'm not a, I'm not a, a fitness marketer. I'm not a like capture attention and I don't like drag people that don't want to do it into things. Having said that, um, some people respond to those types of things, right? So some people respond well to fitness motivation. So if that's you, then I would find things that are more motivating. Follow the people on social media that motivate you. They post motivational clips. So they post motivational quotes and things like that. They're inspirational. Great. If that stuff makes things worse, then don't follow those people. Get off them. If you need more buy-in and support and you need more encouragement, then get a coach or a circle or a community of people that do that. If you need more kind of ass chewing and, and more like, hey, you know, get hard and you've got to toughen up and you know, excuses don't matter kind of stuff, get more of those people around you. Uh, but there's different kinds of people. And, and I, and I get it when the people are like, yo, that whole kind of like chew you out thing, like it just turns me off and makes things worse. Absolutely understand it. So just cut those people out of your, your feed for the most part and don't hire that kind of coach, hire a different one. Um, but really the other day, find the, the, the balance um, for yourself. And then it, for those of you that are coaching people, try to read the room a little bit, right? Like if, if the, the motivation that you out works for you personally, but that client's not jiving with it, you need to coach to the client, not you. Don't do the type of exercises that work well for you. Don't do the type of motivation that works well for you. Don't do the type of eating strategy or coaching approach that works for you. 
you have to work, do what works for them. So I would simply say, read the room. And uh, again, I would default to any scientist in that particular area, because that's um, not, not my strongest skill set. I'm, I'm pretty much more of like, here's a plan. You didn't do it, so goodbye. Um, I would love to double click on that question, but because of time, and there's one question I want to ask you before going to our rapid fire questions, I will change the um, subject. Um, obviously, um, you're a very experienced person. A lot of the things, a lot of the questions that you got, a lot of the questions that I got today is, you know, your day, your, your every day, you know, these things. So um, where does your personal professional passion currently lies so the specific question if you could conduct a study with unlimited resources what would it be about and and why where would where would really be your heart um at well there's a handful of things that we're working on right now um that are not quite that low but close what i'd say i am very interested in breaking down the silos of physiology and taking a more comprehensive approach in science one example, uh, we recently completed an intermittent fasting study. And so we wanted to look at a classic, what's called 16-8. So you eat eight hours of the day and then you fast the other 16. Um, but I want to look at this from the, from the perspective of someone trying to gain as much muscle as possible, not as the fat loss intervention. And what we did with that is the primary outcomes were muscle strength and muscle size and things like that. But that's not how people live, right? So people live by saying, Okay, great. Is it going to make me gain more muscle, for example? But what's it going to do in my sleep? And what about my heartburn and digestion? And what about um, how hard it is for me? And what about how easy or how, what, how much did it cost? Right, right. So doing studies when you have all of those factors and can go, hey, look, this study may, uh, may this approach maybe will enhance your muscle growth by 5%. But it is triple the price. Um, people reported a 5% reduction in mood. They said it was 18% harder, uh, their sleep was ruined, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, but actually their digestion got better. And then actually they said that their um, energy throughout the day was even higher. That's, the, that's real life. It's not just going to be this diet's better than that. This program is better than that. It is always going to be, well, it's good for A, B, and C. Didn't matter for D, E, and F, and then actually made G, Y, and K, and I lost my alphabet, worse. That is the reality of how research needs to be conducted. It's just really expensive and hard to do because you have to have people with expertise in a lot of different areas, right? To measure those things appropriately. And it's not always possible. You have to have multiple wings to a study. Secondarily, and you've brought up psychology a lot in this conversation, but people generally don't start uh, health behaviors agnostically. They start them because they believe. In science though, we force you into a random one. So when you came into my study, you either got randomized to the eating group or you got randomized to the fasting group. But people will almost never do that. They, they eat in the fasting strategy because they think it works better for some reason, or they don't eat it because they think the fasting works worse. That's what has to happen. We have to enroll people in clinical trials based on what they want. Because now the question is, well, yes, but they're the placebo effect. They're, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Like that's what you have to play into, right? If you say, look, I believe eating chicken breasts is more effective for muscle growth than eating the same amount of protein in the form of tuna, great. If the magnitude of difference when you're blinded is lower than the magnitude of difference between your belief, then it actually doesn't matter. 
it doesn't matter the actual differences between the two protein sources because your, your belief mattered most. That's the real world because people in the end don't really care why it's working. They want to know what's going to work best. And so to truly answer what works best, we have to, in some studies, allow folks to say, hey, yo, we don't know which one works better. Which one do you think works better? I think that group works better. Great. You want to join that group? Yeah, that's a group I want to join. And if there's no difference between in the group, then you can say that the magnitude of effect between whatever you're manipulating isn't more important than belief and buy-in. And if it is, now you're really onto something. Hey, look, everyone in all the groups thought that their group was going to work the best, but this group still worked better, which tells us that thing actually really, really, really makes a difference. Wow. That's uh, the type of science that should happen. Um, out of personal interest, I have to directly ask now, where can I, where can listeners stay in contact with you to, you know, get the results of these studies? Uh, well, my social media is, is purely scientific communication. So my Instagram and Twitter, that's pretty much, I'm only putting out science and science related things on there. No politics, no, nothing really in my personal life or anything like that. So that's the best place by far on Instagram and Twitter. We're going to put that into the show notes. I would love um, to see some of those um, re results. My, my heart directly goes up when you speak about these things. Um, I don't have funding. I don't have funding for any of those things. So uh, I wouldn't hold your breath on the results of those because we got to get somebody to pay for them first. So, um, you're, um, okay. I thought that you said that this is something that you're currently working, that you're currently working uh, on. We have a couple of studies that we're trying um, the first part with. Kind of the more comprehensive one, but the non-blinding thing is a different ball game. Okay, so we have to call for support um, to fund these studies. Hey, you know, interest. You don't have to share this now, but like when you talk about a, a study like that, what's a ballpark that that costs? I have no freaking clue. Uh, you want to look at like a a somewhat basic study. In general, it's it's six figures. Okay. If All you right. want to look at something bigger, like yeah. 250, 500K is, is a, like a relatively small trial. Um, most medium to larger scale trials are millions. Got it. Science is very expensive. <laughs> That's why there's this issue, the conflict of interest with who sponsors, uh, you know, who sponsors this study. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not to get us off track, but that's also, um, it, it's reasonable. It's a general concern, but it's also ridiculous. Like how else are you going to pay for it? Somebody has to pay for it. Yeah, I think as long as you're upfront with who does that, um, everything's good. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> um, to. To the end of the show, Andy, may I ask you six questions in 30 seconds each? They're rapid fire, super quickly. Um, number one, what is the worst fitness advice you've heard or seen recently? Uh, I don't know. Um I guess my instincts, and I know these are supposed to be rapid fire, is just that, like, in general, most of the things that are said on social media that matter a ton really don't. I don't have, like, one jumping out to me, but I would say just globally when it's like, this thing, don't eat this, or you have to do this, or you can't. Almost always, it's like, that doesn't actually matter that much. It can sometimes, but it's not that big a deal. Yeah, so it's, it's 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 almost. We're off to a bad start with number one, but <laughs> no, it's it's. Uh, um, uh, I think I and the listeners really appreciate you you being very nuanced about these things. These questions are not built to being nuanced uh, about some things. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, well, likely you will struggle with the others in the same way. The best fitness advice you've heard or seen recently? 
Um, I would say, I would say get outside. What should most people start eating from today, from tomorrow onwards? Protein and vegetables. And stop eating other than fast food. That's too easy of a thing. <laughs> uh, I don't actually think that I wouldn't put anything on this list. Well, that's I don't a good think, answer. Yeah, I don't think that stuff is really helpful. Um, in general, my belief is when somebody asks me questions like, hey, how bad is this food for me? I, I refuse to answer that question. It's an impossible question. I will answer, you know, if you give me two foods, which one do you think is better? Like, I might answer that. But the framing is wrong. Foods aren't poisoned. That's ridiculous. The sugar is not a poison. Fat's not a poison. There's no toxic elements in foods. It's just, it's all nonsense. The devil is in the dosage with all of these things. Uh, there are hermetic or what's called hermesis. So sometimes quote unquote things that are bad for you are actually causing your body to adapt. That's the quick way of thinking about hermesis. It all comes from this planet. It's all natural. Uh, you want to look at things like cyanide. Well, guess what? Yeah, in a very small dosage, that'll kill you. But in a smaller dosage, that comes in peaches. So like everything is already here. It's always about dosage. So there's no food where I'm like, oh, just stop eating bananas or stop eating red meat. Um, I, don't, I don't find that intellectually interesting at all. It's just so like, so surface level. And if you go a smidge as past the surface level, that thing breaks down. So I don't put anything on this list. Get, get you whatever you want. Um, is one way you like to um, give your clients to fight through a motivation low? Probably, probably not going to like my answer on this one. Um, a, a motivation low is, is probably going to be something like, I got better shit to do with my time. Like, if you're not going to do this, go somewhere else. <laughs> like, I, I don't really care. There's a very long list of people waiting to get in. Do it or don't do it. I don't really care. I don't want to hear about your whining. Like, I didn't do my workout yesterday either. And so I just did my workout today. I don't need to hear about the fact that you lost motivation yesterday. It happens. That's a normal part. Every human I've ever interacted with goes through it. But like, don't make it this big deal. Just like, okay, sucked. You did a terrible workout yesterday. You skipped it. Okay. You're going to do today's? Yeah. Well, awesome. Do you need to go back and do yesterday's and add on today? No. It's a normal human thing. Like it's every animal. My dog doesn't have, doesn't get motivated some days. Like it just happens. I don't care. Let's get back to it. Like this. Get to work. Uh, you, will, you won't like the last question either. Uh, one thing that the general public um, should start doing tomorrow and will benefit from that very likely. I would say acknowledgement of opportunity. Meaning there is so much information, exercising, health, all that stuff is easier than it's ever been in terms of access, for the most part. Wherever you're at in life, physically, with your physical health, it may not be your fault at all. Could have been emotional stuff that somebody else did to you, could have been a physical thing. 
that was could it be genetics, could be things that are your, your outcome and where you were born. All those things are totally true. But it's still have a chance to take control of yourself. Can you change your life and all of us look like a superhero? No, not at all. That has nothing to do with your ability to make some progress. So that's all we need to do is you still have the control to make some progress. Doesn't matter if your progress looks like my progress or anybody else's. You have some ability to make some progress and that's all we should focus on. Um, any other place you would want to send our listeners to other than your social media handles, which we'll share in the show notes? Yeah, that's probably the easiest way. If you like education stuff, my YouTube is is just education. So it's a lot of my university courses, the actual lectures. So this is uh, exercise and nutrition. Like if you wanted specific details for uh, how, you know, how many reps and steps to do for this outcome and how do you decide to work out for why or how, do, how, how much protein should I eat and what type and, and like all those details we didn't really chat about today. That's all up in videos for free on my YouTube. Um, that'd be the easiest probably way. And then to see all of my conflicts of interest, all the companies I'm associated with, my companies and other ones that I, you know, take money from or different things, as well as any links to discounts and stuff like that. That's all up on my website uh, that I manage myself. So don't give me any crap about it. <laughs> just put stuff up there. It's uh, andygalpin.com and it's just for things like this. So people want to know companies that I'm incentivized with, you can always go look at that. Things very important to me that people know that I know is my conflicts of interest. So that's all widely available and uh, out in front of the world on that website. Andy, um, appreciate your time a lot. Thanks for being here and all the best with uh, your work in general and because of my personal interest, especially with um, getting those studies up and rolling. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Thank you for listening to the show. I would love to get your comments, suggestions, and feedback. Also, if there's a special topic you would like me to address or someone specific you'd love to see on the show. If you want to support me, please hit the subscribe button and leave me a rating. I hope you will listen in again on the next show. Until then, all the best.